Welcome to Not A Faker's That Boy Malcolm Random Crap Show. I am your host, That Boy Malcolm, doing another show. I decided to uh, delay this week's show, uh, but I got a lot on the table this week, so I guess uh, we can get this show started. Uh, start off with a little uh, uh, WWE music, Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre, one of, my, one of the guys who's now in... Uh, uh, impact wrestling, but um, a lot of things going on in the news today. Uh, I mean, this this last week and a half, uh, the Dallas Cowboys they sign um, uh, they sign uh, Greg Hardy to a one year deal, one year deal, excuse me, one year deal, and something interesting happened. Uh, people in Dallas have heard about this. Uh. And people who are fans of sports radio and people who, you know, fish the internet for sports information has heard about this. Uh, former Dallas Cowboy, uh, former Dallas Cowboy, t- uh, play-by-play um, guy, Dale Hansen, had his take on the signing of of, of uh, Greg Hardy. Uh, let, uh, I want you to hear that. Check it out. Cowboys will be paying former Carolina defensive end Greg Hardy somewhere between 11 and $13 million next year if he plays every game and there's a chance he won't. The NFL's Barney Fife will decide that. But when he does play, the defense should be better now. Hardy was a Pro Bowl player two years ago, had 15 sacks, then doesn't play last year because he beat up his former girlfriend. Oh, yeah, there is that. Just when I begin to think the Cowboys can't possibly sink any lower, they can't fall from grace any more than they have, they find another shovel and dig a few feet deeper. Hardy's only available because Carolina didn't want him anymore, and only two or three other NFL teams did. Funny how so many teams would pass on such a great talent only because he beat up his former girlfriend. But your Cowboys didn't, and so many of you were so happy. I don't care how good he is. I don't care if the Cowboys made a great deal. And I absolutely don't care about the argument so many of you make that what he does off the field just doesn't matter if he can help you win on the field. Is there no line you won't cross? Is there no crime you won't accept? Is there no behavior you will not tolerate? The Cowboys have decided players who use illegal drugs can play. You drive drunk and kill a teammate, putting everyone on that highway at risk. There's a place on this team for you. You can rob a department store and play, and now you can beat a woman and play with a star on your helmet. Hardy's jersey is being sold at the Cowboys online pro shop now. You could get one for your sister or daughter and then explain to her that Hardy beats up women But we're cheering him now because he's really good on game day. And game day is all that really matters to me. Your daughter will understand. But the reality is, if Hardy knocks on your front door to take your daughter out for a night on the town, the man you cheer now, you would shoot his ass through the glass. The irony in this signing... 
Cowboys Vice President Charlotte Jones Anderson, the owner's daughter, is on the NFL's Personal Conduct Policy Committee. It must be quite a committee and quite a policy. And apparently, if Charlotte was ever beaten by a man, the esteemed owner would be okay with that man on his team if he could play. Cowboys coach Jason Garrett has been exposed. He's one of two things. He's either a fraud and hypocrite when he talks about having the right type of guys, character guys on his team, or he really has no say in this and he's simply the puppet so many of you think he is. It's one or the other, and I'll let him decide. It was Garrett's dad, Jim, a former Cowboy scout who famously said, this isn't the Boy Scouts, this is professional football. Well, it's not Carolina football, Jim. They let Hardy go. The team that knows him best didn't want him anymore. But it is your son's professional football. It's the Cowboys' way now. You taught him well, Jim. You taught him well. Uh, <laughs> that, that was uh, Dale Hansen, who uh, works for WF. AA does the sports segment for uh, Dallas Channel 8 in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, <laughs> now, the reason why I played that video is, at first, when you hear that, when you hear, hear that you're with Dale Hansen. You, you, you're like, yeah, I agree with him. Uh, it's kind of outstanding how uh, NFL teams just will pull anybody in just because they can play. And then he gets to the point when he says, uh, if he took you, if that, if he showed up to pick your daughter up, you will pull a gun out and shoot him. Whoa, Dan Dale Hanson, whoa! And and after in, uh, checking out and talking to uh, other cowboy fans, um, Dale Hanson really wasn't. Um, fa he's not favorable to Jerry Jones. He's never been fav uh, favorable to Jerry Jones. He. He was one of the guys who was uh, part of the uh, last ownership, who was part of the announcer, who was hired during uh, the announcer team during the last ownerships, and I guess he was, you know, you, you know, cowboy fans have a certain division upon them, even though they still support the team. There are certain guys when Jerry Jones bought the team, fired Tom Landry. Uh, Hanson is, uh, that was the segment that was so loyal to that original, uh, Tom Landry group. Uh, and Hanson is probably one of those type of guys. Hanson, basically, he's a accurate about teams, uh, bringing in guys, character guys, uh, Cowboys in general, who has been known to bring in character guys. But I will say on this side of the uh, factor, I, I'm a believer that, you know, your job is not to bring in, you know, perfect character guys. You you do need guys with edges, but you don't need guys who's uh who who constantly make mistakes. Well, it's not even mistakes. If you're constantly doing it, is it really a mistake? And when it comes to what what um, Greg Hardy did. If you read up on it, it, it's it's very scary. Um, the things that they said that he uh, did to his, uh, I guess, uh, ex girlfriend or girlfriend. I don't know if if he's in even in even in any contact with her anymore. But apparently, he beat her and threw her on top of loaded guns, and then told her that the guns were loaded, and continued to beat her. Now, 
for that case, I sense Greg Hardy is kind of a crazy person. Now, at the same time, I, I will say I think the Cowboys really didn't take any real risk with this. I think signing Hardy to a one-year deal, um, if he's a troublemaker, you basically wa- wash your hands of him at the end of the year. If he successful you, and you think if he's successful with you, and you think he you can still keep him on, you sign him maybe to another short term deal. Uh, as long as you don't sign this guy to a long term deal, get a lot of guaranteed money in him, I don't think it's really a risk in signing Greg Hardy. But I thought that that take was very interesting from uh, Dell Hansen because you can see he had points. But you can see that there was more to it than just uh, just regular football talk. Uh, in other uh, in other NFL, uh, I guess sexual, I mean I, I guess assault news, but this is up uh, up of the sexual assault nature. Uh, Darren Sharper pleaded guilty to sexual assault in uh, Arizona recently, and no contesting no contesting in California. Uh, uh, after basically what they like the com- comedians like to say, pull a Bill Cosby, uh, giving women, uh, putting uh, pills in women, drink, knocking them out, and basically having sex with them. Now, what's funny about this situation is I, I don't get why Darren Sharper would have needed to do this, um, but I. I I guess this has been hammered enough times. Why would you, as an athlete who who basically has a woman in your hotel room, feels the need that you need to put a, something in a woman's drink to have sex with her? You've already got her in your hotel room. Apparently, she's interested in you. It's just it's, it's just a weird dynamic. I don't know what is Darren Sharper. Was in, what was in Darren Sharper's head at that uh, during these uh, altercation? Uh, but he was sentenced to nine years, and he could face up to twenty years in California. Uh, 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 but it, it, I, I think he's going to be uh, nine years. I think it's nine years at least uh, federal penitentiary since he did it over mo- multiple states. Uh, now the uh, crime in uh, California it was only requiring him to serve half the half the term. And he gets credit for 13 months uh, spent in jail already. Uh, he'll serve about nine years, uh, nine more years. So it's looking like 18 years for right now for uh, for Darren Sharper. Now, in other news, I am a, a huge fan of the Houston Rockets. Everybody, uh, as I repeated many times on this show, uh, Houston sports teams. Uh, last last week, last Thursday. Uh, uh, the Houston Rockets had a celebration of uh, celebration of their back-to-back championships, and the guy who received uh, surprisingly the maybe the third loudest ovation, arguably could have been up there with second. You know, Elijah Warren was going to get number one, but is uh, Vernon Maxwell, which. Vernon Maxwell uh, before this had, I mean, b- beforehand had been known as saying he want to stay away from Houston. He don't ever want to come back to Houston. I don't think Vernon understood that how much the fans of Houston appreciated the type of player he was. 
me, for in general, I grew up during my uh, early teen years uh, watching Vernon. Um, I guess pre-teen, I can go with that. Watching Vernon as the shooting guard for the Rockets. Um, I was, I, I, he was one of the players that I gravitated to because of his hustle, uh, his toughness. He was willing to fight someone. But then again, we all saw that crazy side of him. But Vernon was one of my favorite players. But, um, but he talked about his departure from the team. Second run where you left the team. What happened? Your thoughts about you look back on it now. Well, the guy got pride. I guess who all covered our team back then. They know. Uh, uh, I just couldn't take. You know what I mean, I did. I handled the wrong way. Now that I thought about it, everything went down. Uh, I shouldn't have left the way I left. Uh, I got upset because, you know, they brought Clyde in. Nobody ever said anything to me about the trade or whatever. I just felt like it was disrespectful. And then I went to Utah, played in Utah, first game in Utah. And I really didn't play. I felt disrespectful again. And then I had a meeting with Rudy and the coaching staff. what everybody suspected what had happened and uh, it was known that Vernon at the time the that he took a leave of absence during the year of the second uh, championship run it was right after the uh, game one against Utah uh, as he said he came in late in the game to take a try to take a game winning shot next thing you know apparently he took a leave of absence for personal reason the claim was his grandmother was sick in Florida but everybody in Houston pretty much know that it was about early in the year of the trade, and the fact is his his role got limited. And actually, in in that in that first playoff game, he was relegated to not even a part of the eight man rotation. They just Rudy just chunked him in there for the uh, to try to take the game with the shot because he was highly known at that time by Rocket fans in general. That he he was a guy that they went to for game winning shots. They because he could get his shot off, and he was known as a clutch guy at the time with the Rockets. There's so many you can go look it up. There were so many game winning shots that Vernon Maxwell was responsible for. Now another thing about that is is uh, I remember being uh, young at the time, and uh, Vernon was a uh, everybody was claiming to have Vernon Maxwell sightings everywhere across the city of Houston. Hey, I seen Vernon Maxwell. At uh, at uh, over here in Third Ward, I have seen Vernon Maxwell over here in Greenspoint Mall, and I seen Vernon Maxwell down in the Galleria. It was a, a repeated thing at the time, and it was kind of comical. Um, but 
Also, Vernon has some things to say because now another issue that I mean another thing that Vernon talked about is um at the time back back in those days uh Michael jo- uh the Michael Jordan everyone says the Rockets wouldn't have won two championships without Michael Jordan and Vernon had his op- Vernon Maxwell had his opinion on that too. People talk about how you guarded. Michael Jordan during your career and some of the friction you guys had when you played. What was your the key to guarding Jordan for you? And uh, just like I don't know, I just played. I mean, when I came up, my grandfather always told me. When, my, when I came up, my grandfather always told me, "Ain't no man better than you. He put his pants on just like you. Don't be scared of no man." So, and that's where I took with me. That's where I live my life. So, and when I, I always. I love playing against Mike. A lot of people back in my era when we was playing against Mike, they didn't want to play against Mike. But I don't know that because I want to play against the best. I want to see what the best got. I want to see where I'm at. You know what I mean? So where my, I'm at on the totem pole. So uh, I just love it, man. I mean, I, I want to fight that's what I really want. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a sense that you got under his skin? Oh, yeah, I know I did. I know I did. Uh, he used to talk to me all the time during the games. Oh, Max, don't. This what the media want to see. Let's not do this. You don't have to do that. Why are you doing this? Let's just play the game. And so I knew I was under his skin. Just, you know, those, those two years, well, actually, the three years that they won their three-peat, you guys were 5-1 against them. That's what I, and you know what, that's what, Fran, that's what I tell everybody. I tell them, I, I, I say, Google it. Michael Jordan saying that, oh, we won the one to two championship if he, if he wouldn't went out and tried to play baseball. Well, I said, just Google the times we played them. They couldn't beat us. Like, we couldn't beat Seattle. and we can get past Seattle, we'll get the championship. We'll knock Chicago off. Chicago, we're, we're the team they, they couldn't match up with. So, I mean, I hear what he's saying. I hear what everybody says, but I just don't believe that. Because just Google it, and the, and the numbers don't lie. Is there a part of you that says, I just would have won one time? Yes, 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 yes. One time. I wish I could have gotten a seven-game series. Yes, I wanted that. Any doubt? Yes, yes. Loved it. I would love to have that. I wanted that. That would have been a dream for me to have a seven-game series with Michael Jordan. Yes, I would love that. You shut him down more often than not. How you doing? You shut him down more often than not. Yeah, he's tough, though. I mean, I lost a lot of sleep the night before the game. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> But yeah, he's a tough, he's a tough cat to guard, man. He's strong, physical, and everything. So he got away with a lot of stuff. But yeah, I just, I just love to compete with him. What was, what's, what's the emotion that comes over you when you see these guys? Ah, uh, man. And uh, yes, yes, yes. That is Vernon Maxwell saying that he, the Rockets would have defeated the Chicago Bulls if they had played in the NBA Finals. Honestly, my opinion is, is I believe that the Rockets, I've always said it, I've always, I will continue to say I believe the Rockets would have beaten uh, the uh, the Chicago Bulls in the NBA Finals. They were a matchup problem for the Bulls. Uh, Elijah won, they, they had no answer for Elijah won. Elijah won against that Bulls team was dominant. Also, during that, uh, the Bulls' first three ch- uh, championship run, Vernon Maxwell made Jordan work for every shot he had. Every shot, every, Everything, every shot that he took, Vernon Maxwell made him work hard for it. 
uh, a lot of tough shots. Jordan did what he did. He still made some tough shots. He still had a good, a fairly good average. I can't look it up for you right now. But he, he played fairly well, but not on the legendary status of everybody else knowing Michael Jordan. Um, but what's funny about that is, uh, I don't know if you caught that, but Vernon said he wants to, he kind of slid that in there. He wants to fight Michael Jordan. Uh, that was a situation, I can't remember which game, when it happened, but that was a game that Vernon Maxwell and Jordan got in a situation when they was, a, they was a fit to go fist to fist, blow to blow. So, yes, Vernon Maxwell was in Michael Jordan's head to the point that he wanted to literally fight Vernon Maxwell. And, you know, Vernon Maxwell wanted to fight everybody at that time. Uh, I remember also at that time, uh, during, that, during those three uh, championship runs, Vernon Maxwell, someone did an interview with Vernon Maxwell, and he made a list of the top trash talkers in the league. Vernon Maxwell... I guess arrogantly made himself number two as the second best trash talking in the league. The person he named number one, Michael Jordan. Now, Vernon Maxwell was that guy that uh, also at the time, I, I don't know if you hear Kenny Smith on uh, NBA, uh, 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 Inside the NBA on TNT. Kenny Smith usually talks about when the Rockets uh, won their championships about the team having fist fights. Uh, arguments and fist fights, and you know, it wasn't all hunky dory, lovey dovey. Everybody, that was some problems in the locker room. I can see Vernon as being one of those guys that that were part of those fist fight situations. Um, now, here's an example of how Vernon will be. I mean, is with a teammate. This is a uh, Gary Payton. This is about an interview about uh, a little over a couple of years ago. Uh, Gary Payton. Talking about Vernon Maxwell. That me. I want to ask you about this fight between you and Vernon Maxwell that happened back in Seattle. What went down in that fight? Well, you know what? This is what went down. We was at a practice. We were having a bad practice. We done lost about two or three games in a row. The guy who told about this uh, this fight, Brent Barry, Brent Barry mm -hmm. was getting his head tore off <laughs> by Vernon Maxwell. And so, like head off, literally? Yeah, like, just, Vernon was okay. on the second team. Uh -huh. Brent was starting with me, mm -hmm. one and the two, and Brent was getting punched. And Brent didn't tell you about this, did he? Uh-huh. <laughs> so then all of a sudden I said, okay, let's switch. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. let me be on him and, this, and, and we'll do it like that. Vernon tried to do the same thing to me. I told him one more time, man, we're going to cut this practice out. And after practice, I'm going to beat your <laughs> you oh. know, and back in the, in the, in the uh, locker room. Okay. Uh -huh. You know, he kept it going. Uh -huh. And then all of a sudden, he thought I forgot. He thought you? Yeah, yeah. The Oakley I, came out. The Oakley came out okay. of me. Then when I, went, when I went in the locker room, I waited for him. Well, I didn't want to hurt my, my beautiful hands right. and all that because I was the man. You just put there. a glove on. Not yet, but I got to wait. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to wait. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. They knew I was waiting uh -huh. for him. Uh -huh. They tried to keep him out of the locker room. He wanted to be a big-time dude. I went up in there. As soon as he came up in there, I fronted him. You know, uh, uh, Horace Grant trying to get in the way, trying to knock his head off with the weight, hit Horace Grant. Mess him up. He was out for a game. I felt bad. He hit and Horace Grant with a weight. Hit, oh, hit you hit Horace with a, with a weight. weight. I with a little weight, ten pound weight. <laughs> I try to bust. I try to bust Vernon's head wide open to the white meat. I try to bust him to the white wow. meat. Yeah, people laughing at this. Yeah, yeah, they, they laughing. Yeah. I could have uh, been laughing with his head all busted wide open. But, wow. You know that's how it went down. So if you saw Vernon today, you guys hug it out. Oh, no, no, we 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 best of friends now. That was wild. That was really wild. How, how long did it take for you guys to get over that little situation? About three months. Three months? Three, four months. And then y'all was back hugging it out. Yeah, yeah, we was homeboys again. Can you name Sean Kemp's kids? Here's the... <laughs> 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 
<laughs> another f- funny story. Dad Payton talking about an incident uh, with him and a uh, friend of Maxwell wanted to go to blows, fist fight. An- uh, another teammate of Vernon. Now, what's funny about that situation is um, Vernon aggravated Gary Payton so much that Gary Payton wanted to hit him with a weight. He weighted with a 10-pound weight, and he threw it at Vernon Maxwell because Vernon Maxwell frustrated him so much. Uh, <laughs> Vernon Maxwell, he was about that life, and I will still say he was still one of my favorite Rockets. Uh, uh, he's top five favorite Rocket. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll slide in my top. I go guarantee top ten Rocket all the time. Uh, yeah, Mad Max was the guy that would get in your head. Even if you were a teammate of his, he would get in your head. And the fact of the matter is Gary Payton waiting with a weight, a 10-pound weight, ready to fight Vernon Maxwell in the locker room. And the fact is that all the teammates know about it. And if you think about it, Vernon, uh, Gary Payton threw the weight and hit Horace Grant, a teammate, with the weight. That, if you really think about that, that means... Vernon Maxwell saw him with the weight and was waiting on him still. Vernon Maxwell, like I say, bought that life, as the famous quote. And he was ready to go to blows with a man holding a 10-pound weight. And But Gar- Horace Grant took the, the weight to the head, got gashed up, missed the game. Um, but, yeah, Gary Payton hurt a t- teammate because he was mad at Vernon Maxwell. Now, other news, other uh, basketball news, uh, uh, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama made another bracket, NCAA bracket, and as usual, as every year he's done the same thing, he's done uh, the bracket. I'm not going to get inside his picks because, I'll be honest, I think Obama just picked the big name teams and maybe a pick, a, you know, he picked a few smaller teams, but they were still... Known teams, but let's not get off on Obama's bracket. But the idea that people are taking shots at Obama for doing what he does every year, uh, doing on ESPN, uh, doing a doing a bracket, and they're, they're saying why does he have time to do a bracket? It really doesn't even take much time to do uh, to do a bracket on ESPN. I don't I don't know if people realize it only takes a little bit to to just do a bracket on TV. And to be honest with you, I, put, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, somebody helped Obama with the bracket. Um, but I think people are making a big deal out of something. But Charles Barkley was uh, stopped by TMZ and asked about uh, Obama making a bracket. Everyone is giving Obama crap for doing a bracket. Does he deserve it? You know, oh, he... For doing a bracket? For doing a bracket. What, he's supposed to not think about anything else? <laughs> hey, listen. You people in America who are upset that a, uh, President Obama did a bracket, why don't y'all just go say y'all don't like it because he's black? Get over here. <laughs> just go ahead and say it. The president can do a bracket, but cut through all the BS. Don't say he take two-minute vacations. Don't say he's doing the bracket. Just say we don't like it because he's black. And that'll, be, that'll cut through the middle, man. Boy, he's from Hawaii. Why yeah, you yeah. just don't or, like or Kenya. For stu- for yeah. stupid reason. Yeah, y'all want to believe he's from Kenya. So, I mean, yeah. come on, man. Stop making a big deal out of well, everything. It, well, actually, do you, do you like his bracket, his teams? I mean, I'm, you know, did you look at oh, the he, he picked a lot of popular choices. Yeah. Name, he's a name brand picker. Yeah. I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say I, I'm going to go and use his bracket and go to Vegas. But I, w- <laughs> yeah, but I will say this. I don't know a lot of presidents. I met like three or four 
but I take his basketball opinion over any other president. Uh, really? He actually, he actually, first of all, he's actually played the game. Right. He plays still, and uh, he watches a lot of games, so I take his choices. But they need to cut through the BS, man. Is he, is he getting help, though? Did you guys help him out? Did he no, 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 no. Well, no, he's no, got no. help. He, he, I mean, he can get it. Hey, anybody he he's the president. He, <laughs> get a, he, he, he can call up. Phil Jackson, if he wants to. Uh, no, don't, don't call Phil. Okay. Yeah, don't call Phil. <laughs> call uh, Tom Izzo. I love it. Good seeing you. Oh, you got to love that. Doom, doom, doom. When you hear that sound, that's TMZ on, their, on the job again. Uh, but I, I found that hilarious. Uh, uh, Barkley Ben, Barkley, Kenny Smith, you know, a little bit more comical of Kenny Smith with, with Barkley this time. But Barkley just being raw, uncut Barkley. Hey, if you, you just don't say you don't like him because he's black. I, uh, <laughs> this is Barkley being Barkley. It's just hilarious. Uh, I just thought I'd play, play, share, share that with you guys. Um, also, um, other news. Boxing. Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao. Uh, I could have got off on this the last show, and I kind of didn't get to it, but I had to get to it this time. They were at that press conference about uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, the, um, both Floyd and Manny did their, their uh, talking, uh, talking about the fight. And there's a lot of things going on with this uh, fight. It's the biggest fight. Could be, uh, This will be the biggest uh, payday in boxing history. Now, when people talk about boxing and a lot of UFC people like to say UFC is better than boxing or whatever. And I think what it is is UFC fans are more quick impact fans. They like to see the sudden the sudden impact, the quickness. The, they want to see the quick knockout. They want to see the quick action. And more boxing fans, they like to see things develop. They like more. Some boxing fans, you still got the boxing fans who love to see the quick action. Yes, that still exists. But you also got certain boxing fans who like to see the chess game of the sport. Um, and that's that's the, the thing about boxing is it, 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 it brings different elements, a lot of different more elements of the type of fan that would enjoy the sport. Uh, I, uh, recently, I uh, did a show about uh, how NBC NBC uh, did uh, Premier Boxing, how well Premier Boxing has been doing since coming on the TV, and how those numbers compare to UFC numbers, how those numbers compare to other sports, how successful boxing will be if they continue to put it on free TV. Uh, it just makes sense. And I, I, honestly, my opinion is unless you continue to put it on, if you continue to put it on free TV, you'll still be able to make massive amount of money on pay-per-view because these, uh, because putting these guys on free TV draws fans into certain new guys that they was not either not paying attention to or certain guys that fringe fans have heard about but never got a chance to see because most of the fights are on HBO and Showtime and I'll be honest with you, I, uh, Friday Night Fights, I honestly don't believe they put quality enough fights on there to make fans int uh, intent of watching Friday Night Fights on a consistent basis. Now, they have some quality fights here once in a while, but not on a consistency level to make fans be fully into it. But putting some quality fights on NBC is huge. But... But this fight here, right as a, last I've heard, uh, the revenue right now, uh, Dan Rayfield reported that 
this fight will pass over 400 million uh, of, in revenue and could pass uh, 500 million. Floyd Mayweather could make over. Uh, it, right now, it stands that Floyd May Mayweather will make 180 million, and quite possibly this could his uh his, if the sales continue to go up and the pay per view numbers are what is expected. Floyd Mayweather can make over 200. And twenty million dollars for this fight. It, it, it is amazing. Uh, Manny Pacquiao can make up to sixty million dollars this fight. It is amazing how much money these fighters will be making in, for one night of work. One night of work, Floyd Mayweather will make more than baseball players do in their whole career. Uh, <laughs> he's making a lot salary in one night. <laughs> A rod uh, con uh, whole contract in one night. Think about that. But I'm gonna play some of the uh, the press conference from uh, f uh, a little bit of the press conference. Here's Floyd Mayweather uh, during the press conference, doing his part of the press conference. First off, I have to thank my my father, unbelievable trainer, unbelievable person. <laughs> Showtime, MGM Grand, so many different social media outlets, the fans, Team Pacquiao, top rank. It's been a long road, but we're here now. Um, Al Heyman, re remarkable guy. You know, if it wasn't for Al Heyman, my father, Leonard, and my team, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So I want to say thank you. Um, May 2nd, the fight of the century. It's all about the best, fighting the best. And Pacquiao is one of the best fighters of this era. And everything is about timing. And, you know, I think we couldn't choose a better time. You know, our game plan is just to be smart and take one fight at a time, like all 47 fights. This is a fight that the world can't miss. This is an unbelievable matchup. Action-packed fight. I'm in the gym working right now, dedicating myself to the sport, pushing myself to the limit because I never want to win a fight so bad in my life. And I'm pretty sure he's going to push himself to the limit because he wants to win just as bad as I want. He wants to win just the same way I want to win. One, but one thing I do know about any sport, when you lose, it's in your mind. If you lost once, it's in your mind. If you lost twice, it's in your mind. From day one, I was always taught to be a winner no matter what.
be a winner. Push yourself to the limit. Stay focused. And be the best that you and be the best that you can be. Steven Espinoza, I want to thank you. Richard Stern, I want to thank you. Bob Aaron, Team Pacquiao, because without everyone together, we couldn't make this fight happen. So I have to be thankful. And uh, that is Floyd Mayweather. Um, uh, that was a lot of criticism of Floyd uh, during his press conference. They, I, I don't, I think people were claiming that he had a little fear in his voice or whatever. And honestly, what I saw in that it was seriousness. Um, I don't think people remember when he did when he did the press conference uh, for the Cotto fight. This it was the same tone, same serious tone. Uh, I think. Honestly, what I think it is is he doesn't have to sell the fight. I think these other fights that he's had, that he was in press conference pretty loud, pretty talkative, a lot of trash talk. He had to sell. He had to sell Ortiz. He had to sell Guerrero. He had to sell. He had to sell other guys. He didn't. He didn't do. I don't even think he did that with uh, Canelo Alvarez. But other guys, he had to sell when he fought De La Hoya. He was kind of loud. He was up and loud. He talked a lot of noise. But the difference is, is he wasn't a name yet. And that was the fight that propelled him to become a name was when he defeated De La Hoya. Interesting enough, both of these guys um, became name-worthy after fighting De La Hoya. So lots of props to uh, De La Hoya for fighting these two guys. You could consider De La Hoya, Oscar De La Hoya passing a torch uh, to these two guys, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. Emmanuel Pacquiao as a for for being the next money man. Now here's Manny Pacquiao, uh, his part, segment of the press conference. Thank you, Bob, and I would like to thank God for uh, giving us and providing us a, a wonderful day, a beautiful day, and giving us strength. And I want to thank um, um, Showtime and HBO for helping to make this fight happen, and also uh, Mayweather um, uh, team, uh, Mayweather promotion, Tamprang uh, promotion and Team Pacquiao, and to all the media, <clears throat> to all the media and press, uh, thank you so much for all your support, and to the fans of boxing, I think, uh, I believe that is what are you waiting for since uh, five years ago. So I think, uh, the fight is on, and you're very excited. I know you're very excited, and we're both of us. Uh, we're going to um, uh, undergo an ha a hard training for this uh, this fight, and we 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 will do our best and and and, and May, on May two to uh, to make you happy. And the most important thing is not to to us, to me, or the most important thing is the name of the Lord that the name of the Lord will be glorified, and. I want to know that there is God. I want this is this is why I want to know the people that you know. I want to let the people know that there is God who can raise from someone from nothing into something. And and, and that's me. That's me. I came from nothing, something, and that's I owe everything to God. He gave me this this blessing. So it's all credit to the Lord. 
And uh, thank you to all the fans, especially to the Filipino people who are always uh, supporting me. Uh, are, they are watching now live in TV and are, some of them, of them is, are here. And, um, and I would like to thank uh, Freddy Roach for, uh, uh, you know, for being uh, uh, very uh, nice to us, Tim Pacquiao, being nice to me, and Bob Arum. And, you know, that's, uh, that's what we call it. Our team is, uh, we have loyalty in each other because we've been working since 2001 until, uh, until now, 2015. And I think we're the longest uh, teamwork. In, in, in boxing history <laughs> as, a, as a coach in, in boxer and also my promoter Bob Arum um, is my loyalist to them so thank you for uh, trusting me and God bless you all yep a lot of excitement for this fight that was our Manny Pacquiao his part of the press conference uh, now, what I would say about this fight is the way I look at this is happening is, and I can continue to get into this later on down the road when it becomes fight night, fight weekend. But what I'm seeing in this fight, and I've been consistent on this belief, if Manny Pacquiao is able to land punches before, uh, if his if ability to throw punches faster than uh, Floyd Mayweather's ability to make a miss and counter, Manny will win the fight. But if Floyd does what he does best, he makes his opponent miss and uh, counter, uh, Floyd will win this fight. It's really that simple. But I will also say this. People are saying that there's no chance of Manny Pacquiao knocking out Floyd Mayweather. And I will say this to those same fans. Manny Pacquiao is the first fighter that Florida's has fought in a while that is, that is, that is literally the smaller fighter. Um. Well, yeah. Even Robert Guerrero, even though it, though it doesn't look like it, I think Robert Guerrero is uh, even larger than uh, Floyd Mayweather. It's the first time Floyd's fought a guy that's uh, smaller than him in a while, in a in a long time. Um, I would say those same fans would say Floyd is uh, Floyd hasn't knocked anybody since Ortiz at the same and Ortiz fight. The reason why Floyd knocked him out is because. It was basically Floyd taking advantage. Well, they say it's a cheap shot. I say Floyd taking advantage of a situation. Ortiz, uh, Ortiz had headbutted Floyd, and threw a couple of elbows at Floyd, and Floyd was like, you know what? Uh, why am I gonna just uh, play with this guy? And when uh, the referee said, uh, "Let's go, Floyd," and Ortiz goes for a hug, Floyd says, "Forget it. I'm knocking you out." And took two shots, knock him down. Ortiz is looking at the referee, but the referee said, let's go. Uh, Floyd makes you make mistakes, and Floyd makes you get out of your head, and that's what Floyd does. Uh, the question is, I will say, how would Manny, uh, Manny Pacquiao react if he's not able to land with his unique angles on Floyd? If, he's, if Floyd is making Manny Pacquiao miss, if Floyd, after making Manny Pacquiao miss, makes him pay for missing, as that's what it that because that's what Floyd Mayweather does. What will Manny Pacquiao do? And and this question goes for the same if Floyd is not making Manny Pacquiao miss, uh, Floyd cannot count on Manny because he's taking good shots from Manny. What would be the second game plan? And I honestly believe that 
those two situations are so much unfamiliar territory to these guys that that's the fight within the fight. What would be the adjustment if there's a I mean, because there will be an adjustment needed by one of these guys. Can that guy make the adjustment? And if that guy makes the adjustment, what is the adjustment for the person who were the the one that's dominating the tempo of the fight? But interesting fight coming up. Um, also, there was some talk about drug testing. There was claims that, uh, let's see, Bob Aaron and Manny Pacquiao addressed it. Uh, There were claims that Floyd Mayweather did not want to sign the $5 million waiver. Basically, it says if uh, Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao fell a drug test, the uh, the fighter who fails the drug test loses $5 million. Now, on the other hand, I will add this to it. Um... Uh, what was from what I've found interesting that no one's talked about who who keeps bringing this up is the fighter who fails the drug test. You saw they can uh, suspend him up to four years. Honestly, that to me that sounds like uh, if you fail a drug test, you're retired from boxing because both guys are on the tail end of their career. If they fail drug tests, they're done. They're, that's that's pretty much what it is. They're done. But here's uh, Bob Aaron and Manny Pacquiao addressing. The five uh, million uh, dollar deal. Uh, Manny, you uh, made a bet with Floyd, a five million dollar bet over drug testing. That uh, if one one man failed the drug test, they would pay the other five million bucks. Has he accepted that offer? What offer? You made you made a five million dollar bet with Floyd over drug testing. Who, who made if it? one man failed a drug test, he'd pay the other five million. Has he accepted that? The story can have moments. Well, that story is we proposed the five million dollar penalty if uh, either guy failed the drug test. They rejected it because they rejected it not because they were afraid of. To be honest, as we understand it. They said, look, if Manny fails the drug test, we'll collect a lot more than $5 million. And I told Michael Kahn's and Manny as well, uh, if Mayweather fails the drug test, believe me, we'll collect more than the $5 million. So that's the reason that the fighters didn't make that $5 million penalty, not because they were afraid that they would fail the test, but they wanted to collect more if the other guy failed at that. But everything has been agreed as far as the drug testing is concerned. That is uh, Bob Aaron addressing the uh, drug test and the $5 million penalty that was uh, talked about within basically the boxing community. There was a lot of people who writing reports. Basically, they're writing a report saying Floyd Mayweather doesn't uh, uh, avoid the five. Uh, avoiding the five million dollar uh, penalty, and what they're not—they're not adding the fact. Well, some of them are adding it, but they're adding in one small sentence that the fighter who fails the test will be suspended up to four years by USADA. But that is not even a discussion in the argument. Uh, I think, and the reason why uh, some—I uh, would say many Pacquiao fans are bringing it up—is uh. Ariza is has been training Floyd Mayweather for this fight. Take that title from Brock Lesnar. That's what it takes. That's the type of man you have to be 
Because Roman Reigns, let me tell you right now, this is not a man, it's a beast. It's a conqueror who will kick down your front door, take your wife, and take the food off of your children's plates, and we name them Lesnar. You see, that's a conqueror. And Brock Lesnar conquers everything that stands before him. And this Sunday, Brock Lesnar conquers the main event of WrestleMania. Now, Roman Reigns can come out here and say, I'll do all that. Believe that. Roman Reigns, you say, I can and I will. This Sunday at WrestleMania, the reigning, defending, undisputed WWE heavyweight champion of the world, Brock Lesnar, says you can't. And therefore, Roman Reigns, you won't. That is uh, Paul Heyman being who he is, his goal on the mic. Now, you kind of excuse me a little bit because um, I had a little issue with this uh, with this little podcast app. I don't, I don't know if it was the app or my earpiece, but all of a sudden, in the middle of playing that, uh, the podcast, the, the app just stopped working and wanted to play some book stuff on my phone, and just I had to pretty much. What I had to do was all the stuff I recorded previously, I have to re excuse me. What I have what I have to do and you you'll you, uh I'll explain what I'm do, going going to have to do. Going to have to play it uh in my court the whole show, which was like fifty five minutes long, and then start back from where I, where it cut off at, which you're going to hear, you might notice it when on the podcast it cuts off, or it might not even cut off, it might might sound just weird, like the Paul Heyman promo either uh, probably jumps back and repeats itself, so excuse that, but I don't know what just happened, but you know what, we're still going to get, I'm still going to get this podcast episode done, and so I'm just going to have to do more work for you guys to make sure you get to hear the whole podcast Instead of just, I could have just threw the whole 55 minutes out and just said, forget it. But, um, this, but this is the last thing I wanted to get to. I wanted to get on the WrestleMania card, um, WrestleMania card. Um, we're going to start off at the pre-show. The pre-show is going to be a four, the, uh, the match in the pre-show will be a four corner, uh, fatal four way match for the WWE tag team titles. You got the tag team champions, Tyson Kidd uh, and Cesaro, with Natalia in the corner. Uh, Los Matadors with uh, Diego and Fernando, with uh, El Torito in the corner. The New Day, Biggie and Kofi Kingston, with Xavier Woods in the corner. And the Usos, Jimmy and uh, Jay Uso, with Naomi in the corner. I'm so surprised that they didn't do anything with Natalie. I mean, uh, yeah, with Natalia Nightheart. And uh, Naomi, they there's some money to be made there. Maybe that's that's further down the line, but I think that will be an entertaining pre-show match. It's a fatal four-way 
not an elimination match. So pretty much first pin wins. I think it's you're gonna get some uh, high spots with the Usos and Lost Matadors. Uh, the New Day, you're gonna see Kofi Kingston give you some high spots. You're gonna see some muscle with Cesaro, Big E. They're gonna show strength. Uh, in ring uh, activity with uh, Tyson Kidd. But at the end of the day, I think the exit in this match. I'm a, I'm going to go chalk. Yes, I'm going to go with the heels. I'm going to go Tyson Kidd, Cesaro uh, winning the first match on the pre-show and retaining the uh, WWE Tag Team Championships. Um, I'm going uh, the uh, next match I'm going to discuss is uh, Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins. Honestly, well, I think there will be some uh, suspicions going on. I, I honestly think that Randy Orton will win this match, but. The way I predicted what happen is by disqualification or count out. I I don't think this match will finish. I think that it'll get started, but I, I actually predict Seth Rollins to lose this match by count out or disqualification. Maybe Noble and Mercury get involved. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I see Randy Orton winning this match, or maybe it's a quick match. I don't. I don't see a long match out of this. Um, the next match I'm going to discuss is a uh, Divas Tag Team match. Uh, AJ Lee and Paige versus the Bella Twins. I see... I actually see the Bella Twins winning this match. And AJ and Paige maybe getting into it again. Um, maybe getting into another riff. Um, and AJ and Paige having a little battle in the future. Now... The next match is the Andre Memorial, uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. In this match, you have the Miz, Curtis Axel, Ryback, Fandango, uh, Adam Rose, Zack Ryder, Jack Swagger, Titus O'Neil, Darren Young, uh, The Big Show, Kane, uh, Eric Royer, Damian Mizdow, Sin Cara, well, the WWE's version of Sin Cara. Uh, Goldust, Heath Slater, Mark Henry, The Ascension, uh, Corner, and Victor. And they will have a match on uh, NXT uh, that weekend. Uh, they're going to have a tournament to determine an NXT uh, wrestler being in, uh, inside that match. I could see a situation when the NXT guy, if they're bringing a guy up and they want to make a big impact with the guy, having that guy win it or becoming one of the last four in this battle raw to, to to showcase that whoever that uh, NXT guy is as a, as a future threat in the company. I can see Big Show winning this match. I can see Kane winning this match. I can see D uh, Damian Mizdow winning this match. Uh, those are the guys I can pretty much see winning this match. Uh, I'm coming out of it with the winner of the match being... Is it? This is a little thought here. I'm actually coming down to the wire on my thought of this. Actually being the Big Show. I think the Big Show will pull this match off. Andre the Giant or Memorial Battle Royal. And why not have a Giant win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. It just makes sense. Um, the next match I'm going to discuss is the Intercontinental Ladder Match. Oh, speaking of the, uh, the funny thing about the uh, uh, Under the Giant Battle Royal is, I will say, you kind of see how many names 
uh, in that match and then the tag team match and the Intercontinental match. And it shows that, you know, WWE makes sure they get as many guys in, in there as possible at WrestleMania to get a payday. Um, Intercontinental match. Bad News Barrett, the Intercontinental Champion versus uh, R-Truth, Dean Ambrose, uh, Luke Harper, Dolph Ziggler, Stardust, and Daniel Bryan. I'm kind of disappointed that Stardust is in this match and uh, Goldust is in a separate match. I was kind of hoping they these two guys battle at WrestleMania, but it didn't happen. They just done away with that storyline. Um, in this match, I think... What I think is going to happen is uh, the winner of this match will be Daniel Bryant. And they get the yes man, yes chant going and yes chant movement going again. Uh, putting the belt uh, around Daniel Bryant's waist. Now the next match I'm going to discuss is uh, the U.S. title match. Rusev versus uh, John Cena. Rusev is the U.S. champion. They've shown Rusev look strong. Uh, over the months, over the last couple few, uh, uh, over the last few months, uh, and then over the last month, they've shown him how much he's dominated John Cena on a consistent basis. They've shown John Cena look very vulnerable, and that is the reason why I believe that John Cena will win this match. Um, the payoff is WrestleMania for John Cena to be the guy to defeat Rusev to bring the United States title back home to the USA. Uh, next match I'm discuss is uh, let's see, Undertaker versus uh Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt, uh, <laughs> he is a character beyond characters. This is classic WWE character. Uh, Bray Wyatt versus the Undertaker. I believe um, well the Undertaker who just lost in at the uh, 21 and 0 streak. But I believe he starts, I guess you could say start a new streak. I believe he defeats Bray Wyatt, in, but makes Bray Wyatt looks good. Uh, next match, um, singles match, Sting versus uh, Triple H. This is Sting's debut in the WWE. First match ever, WrestleMania versus Triple H. Um, I expect these guys to battle. I expect Sting, some Stinger splashes, Scorpion Death Lock, uh, Triple H hit the pedigree, Scorpion Death Drop. I expect this match to go into the stands. I expect it to go uh, all over the place, but I expect still, I expect Sting to win this match. Uh, WD, WWE World Heavyweight Championship match, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Uh, these two guys, this is, as I played earlier, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman can sell me versus uh, the listener, whoever you are as a listener, and make people want to watch the fight. That's how good Paul Heyman is. Uh, Brock Lesnar, I expect Brock Lesnar to dominate the match, suplex like crazy. Uh, I expect a fight. I expect it to be dirty. But at the end of the day, I expect Roman Reigns to at the end of the day, hit the spear and win the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And that's the way I see. Wait a minute. Uh, I also see something else happen to WrestleMania. You remember what I said earlier? Randy Orton versus uh, Seth Rollins. I said Seth Rollins will, uh, will lose the match by either disqualification, count out, uh, some, some kind of shenanigans. And the reason why I say that is usually... This is the ample opportunity to have something for Roman Reigns to do down the road that doesn't consist of Brock Lesnar 
and that is Seth Rollins cashing in the money in the bank on Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins winning the WWE Championship and uh, the the boos, all the chills. You're gonna have a mixture because some people are not fans of Roman Reigns, but they want that heat on Seth Rollins for ruining a dream, a WWE moment uh, for uh, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Yes, I am calling it. At WrestleMania, defeating Roman Reigns by cashing in his Money in the Bank suitcase. Give me uh, Drew McIntyre's theme.
come true.